Amen. Please be seated. It's good to have every one of you here this morning. This is uh, family month, and uh, we're going to be going through the Word of God and uh, sharing uh, from the Word of God. I believe Angela has one or two sermons that she's preparing. If not, I should be here with me. (laughs) Amen. If you're... uh, Visiting with us, we are glad that you're here today, and we thank God for your life. Um, I want to talk about why God created the family, and we're going to be talking about a lot of things during the month. Uh, We're going to be talking about the issue of submission. The men love to hear about that. Submit, lady. And uh, we're going to talk about love. We're going to be talking about raising the family. That's uh, family for God. A lot of things we're going to be talking about. Our relationship with our children. What God wants for us with regards to our children. And what God expects from us. So but today we're starting with uh, why God created the family. And uh, success in marriage. Success in marriage. Why God created the family. The family is a reflection of God himself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that's the supreme family. That's the family of God. God created Adam. And in Luke chapter 3 verse 38, the Bible says Adam was referred to as the son of God. But when it relates to, or when it comes to love and marriage, that's the reflection of Christ and the church. Love and marriage is a reflection of Christ and the church. Now, marriage is not a measure. It's not bringing two people together. That's not the whole purpose from God. God has a certain purpose for marriage. Marriage is divine. It is to give glory to God. There is a purpose to it. Marriage is not for the satisfaction of just the satisfaction and comfort of those just involved with the marriage, but it has to do with a divine purpose. Now, I want you to understand this. A country... Or a nation is made out of communities of people. And every community consists of families that make up that community. And the community is made up or is the product of marriage. So marriage is the foundation of all relationships. Marriage is the foundation of all relationships. So what does, what does that mean? If you have strong marriages, then you will have strong communities. And if you have strong communities, then you have a strong con- uh, country or nation. If you have weak marriages, of marriages that are breaking apart, 
what you have is you have very weak communities, troubled communities. And if you have troubled communities, before long you have a weak nation. So marriage is the foundation of all relationships. And marriage is divine. God gave marriage. It's God's idea. The idea of marriage came from God. Marriage is so beautiful. No one but God could have thought about that. About it. It's so beautiful. It is the creation of God himself. It's not the creation of the government. It's God's own product. When a company produces a product, or let's say General Motors produces a pro- their product, you don't expect that product to be maintained by Ford or to bring out manuals for that particular company. Every product comes with a manual. And so marriage is designed by God. God created marriage and God has a manual for marriage. I was uh, listening to this story of this guy. He he bought a car in a third world country. And the car was bad and he was looking for parts uh, uh, to fit that car. And their problem is they have mechanics, uh, mechanics, but they don't have uh, uh, the parts to fix your car. And so he went to his mechanic. His mechanic said, look, we cannot find parts for your car. It's hard. But I found something that could fit and and make it work for some time. I mean, make it work for you. So they walked it, they drilled and all of that. They put it on. And guess what? The car was okay and drove for some time. Before, before long, the guy started having smoke coming into the car. They had a problem. Many times when we have difficulties and problems in our marriages, we want to look to the world for help. The government cannot help you. Sometimes we go to the wrong people for help. Sometimes people go to marriage counselor. The guy has been divorced three times, but he's a marriage counselor. And he's going to cancel you about how to have a successful marriage. That's not the place to go. The book has all it takes to help you with your marriage. It came from God, and God can tell you how to run it. So that's an idea from God. Marriage was the first institution that God created on the earth. It takes two individuals. To form this institute. Two individuals coming together to form this particular institute. And God gave that to us. It's the foundation of the family. It begins with just two individuals. Now, I need to let you know, marriage precedes the relationship in the marriage precedes all other relationships. That's the number one relationship. Marriage comes from the word gamu, which means to fuse. It's a gem. To fuse together. To produce something beautiful. What does that tell us? There's going to be some hits 
heat applied. There's going to be some pressure applied. If you want a germ to come out of something that's ugly, there's got to be some pressure applied. Many of us don't like the pressure. You got to deal with that. Because it's a part of marriage. If you're married, you're going to have troubles. There's going to be disagreement inside the family. You have to learn how to deal with the pressure because God allows that to make something beautiful out of it for His glory. It's not about you. It's for His glory. So the pressure comes just like temptations will come to lift you up to a higher place with God because you got to pass the test. So you have to have your test in your marriage to make that work for you. So pressure comes to make that marriage beautiful. But don't give up just because you're having a hard time in your marriage. If you do, it's because you don't have understanding. It's part of what God has designed. You stay with it and you stay with God and you stay with the manual. You have something beautiful coming out of something that was ugly. You have that. Look at what the scripture says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. It says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Verse 25, And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. Therefore, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. When they get married, at that time that they are coming together, spiritually, in heaven, the way God sees it, they have become one flesh. But it takes life to pound them together to become one flesh in the natural Troubles and all of that. That's what's going to bring them together to understand. Now that's the way she thinks. That's the way he uh, he thinks. And then we work it out to make something beautiful. Trouble is going to be there. It takes time for that flesh to become one. Notice the scripture says, Therefore the man leaves father and mother and, and be joined to his wife. But never said anything about the woman leaving father and mother to be joined to the husband. Why is that? Because God never intended for the woman to leave father and mother. When they leave and go to their husband, the husband now takes the place. Of father and mother. So you can understand this word submission, right? The husband now takes the place of father and mother. The man leaves, he joins to his wife, but she leaves, and now the man is supposed to be father and mother to this woman that's coming to Lisa. Funny thing, it's an awesome responsibility because God's calling them to cut off. Notice, they leave. When you get married, we are not coming together to have a bigger family. You're having three separate families. They are supposed to leave, right? 
to form their own family. It's the birth of a new family, separate from these two other families, and the man goes with his wife. Now, when you have your own family, that's the beginning of a new thing that God's doing. Amen? Father and mother, that's the old thing. So you have your own family. Daddy can't just walk into your home. Because he's your dad. You have your own new home now. This is a separate home. You can't be calling your daddy every time. You got your own house now. And you can't be calling your mommy every time. You got your own home now. If you want anything, any advice, read the book. And if it's real tough for you, ask mommy what they got from the book to make life work for them. And they'll help you to be the daddy in your home. Amen? That's the way it's supposed to be. You leave and you go. It's funny when you say, uh, when, during the wedding ceremony, you are going to take the responsibility of daddy now. But I've seen in uh, marriages, the guy is standing up there and, and the daddy is happy. I've done my job. I'm letting her go. It's your responsibility now. He's smiling. He's got his daughter in hand. And, and the man is waiting for, for, for him to bring the woman. And, and the music goes. Here it goes. You're leaving the home. And he's all smile. As they're walking down, everybody stands up. And, and the guy don't realize, some guys don't even realize uh, what they are getting into. <laughs> some of them are so impatient, they don't even wait for the daddy. That's why always, the preacher will always ask, remember, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And the father says, my mother and I, we're ready to let go. <laughs> it's your responsibility. But some guys can't even wait. While the guy is walking down, they walk back up to give me the woman. <laughs> Where they walk towards them and get the woman. We're going to make it. You don't know what you're getting into. Amen. Notice what he says. Amen. You have your wife sitting by you. Be careful. The way you say amen, you'll get it when you get home. And then he says, and they were both naked. And the man and his wife were not ashamed. They were both naked. And the man and his wife were not ashamed. Regardless of where you are, where you, are, where you go, whether it's a hotel room or whatever, if you have a reason to feel guilty, you are in the wrong place. If you have any reason to feel guilty, naked, before another person, you are in the wrong place. It's got to be naked, no shame, no condemnation. And if anything you're doing in your family, notice you're supposed to come together as one. 
no matter what you're doing in your relationship, because God wants you to be one, joined together to be one, no matter what you're doing in your relationship, if there is a touch of guilt in your heart, you're doing something wrong, you are opening the door for Satan to come into that family to cause the division. Because God wants you to be one. So if you feel guilty, naked, something is happening wrong. I don't want to go into details. There are several different areas that you could be feeling guilty because you're doing something and God doesn't approve. And if your mate finds out, that's not going to be good. You will suffer shame. You will suffer shame. It's going to be very bitter if you let that be. So there is got to be openness. Remember, God wants them to be joined together as one. There's got to be openness. If you are keeping secrets and afraid that your mate will know about these secrets, guess what you've done? It's not only that you have sinned against God, you have opened a door for the enemy into your family to cause division. It's going to happen. By and by, you won't even understand how Satan will come in. Maybe not the way you're thinking, but you are going to split that family and it was because of you you are not naked or open to your mate. You are hiding something. Very important. It's very important. You just cannot do it. The, when you try, the first day, maybe after a while, you won't feel that guilt. But if you maintain it, and the guilt goes away, you sealed it. You've sealed it. Remember, Satan has no access into your life if you are a born-again Christian. This thing, the relationship, this is God's own idea. And when you do it God's way, God's part of it. He's right there with you. But don't make room for the devil. Don't open the door for Satan to come in. He may take several years before you begin to see the result or the effect of what you did. So many have destroyed their families and destroyed their kids caused so much pain because they were willing to be naked and feel that guilt of condemnation until it was gone and so many people suffer. Especially the kids. It's not worth it. Stay open. That's the relationship that you chose. Stay open. You got nowhere else to go. You got to stay open. Let me say this. Culture, the beliefs, and what people accept as right or wrong will affect the success of a marriage. Culture has a great influence upon marriages everywhere. Look at what's happening in America today. It's become a culture, no big deal anymore. I mean, uh, divorce is not a big deal. Everybody's doing it. It's become a culture. If it doesn't work out well for me, I'm out. Because everybody is doing it. It's become a culture. But we don't belong to this kingdom. We belong to the kingdom of the living God. 
And the rules of his kingdom, they are different from the rules of the kingdom of the United States or the country of the United States. The United States cannot make laws concerning something that God himself built. This is a God. If you listen to what's happening culturally and you follow what's happening culturally and accept those things that they are saying and the norms, it will affect your marriage. Your marriage and your ideas of marriage and being together must come from the book, the Word of God. Not what everybody is saying. It's got to be that way. We belong to the kingdom. Successful marriage is only possible under kingdom culture. That's the culture of the kingdom of God. That's the culture that we live on, under. They can make laws about what they want to do. They can do whatever they want to do and believe whatever they want to believe. But we are Christians. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we do things according to the kingdom that we belong to. We belong to the kingdom of the living God. And this kingdom has a different culture. In our culture, the kingdom of God, we don't divorce. We stay with it. We endure hardship. We stay with it. We are not of this world. And we don't allow the norms of the world to affect our lives. We have to listen to God. Many th- things are changing. There were times the w- women behaved certain way in their homes. But today, because of culture, they're moving. If it's scriptural, that's the place to be. If you do something otherwise, you are opening the door for Satan to cause confusion in your home and destroy the family. We've got to stay with God's truth. That's where we must be. Marriage has some paradoxes that I want to share with you. It is the greatest attraction, but it can also be the greatest distraction. Marriage. Two, it can be the greatest source of hope and joy, but it can also be the greatest source of frustration. Three, marriage can be a dream. But it can also be your worst nightmare. You get married today, everybody's smiling and happy. Two weeks later, you are wondering if you had made the worst mistake in your life. You can laugh, we've all been there. There's no way you can get, when you are getting married, uh, you have some butterflies, you know. It's standing there, boy, I hope this is, I hope I'm making the right decision. Because you're signing, out, you're signing off your life. It could be very pleasant. It could be very beautiful. But it could be really bad for you too. So, please, young people... Think hard before you make this decision. It's a great decision to make. 
But just don't go with lightly. And please don't go with, I love him. That's not going to cut it. We're coming to that. Just because you feel doesn't mean you go. Get rid of your feelings before you get in real trouble. You know, Jesus was talking to his disciples about marriage one time. In uh, Matthew 19, he was talking to them about marriage. And they understood what he was saying. You know what they said? Let me read it to you. Matthew 19, verse uh, 10. It says, his disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. Did you hear that? The apostles were saying that. They understood, boy, this is thin. This is real trouble now. Uh, if, 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 if that's the case, it's better. And Jesus addressed it. And Jesus didn't say, don't do that. He says, for some people, some people it's given for them to do that. But others it's not. And that means for most of us, we are supposed to get married. We're going for the fight. Amen? But we always win because Jesus is with us. Amen? We can always win. And we can have a pleasant one. So before you go into it, young people, pray. And make sure God's with you. Now, marriage is an option. You don't have to be married. Hello? You don't have to be married. You don't have to be married to fulfill God's will for your life. In fact, Paul says he's better you will accomplish more if you don't get married. Before I got married, you know, I, I married late in life, you know, and um, some of my Christian friends in Nigeria then, we, we talked about people who don't want to get married. We called them, we said, we said to them, you're going to be a virgin for the Lord. That's what it means. They said, oh, you're going to be a virgin for the Lord. And uh, I married late, so they were not sure if I was going that direction, whether I was uh, deciding to become a virgin for the Lord or to get married. They asked me, uh, are you going to become a virgin for the Lord? I said, no, that's not going to happen. I know me. I know me. Virgin for the Lord is not my way. If there is trouble, I'm coming after it. I'm going to get married. But marriage is an option. You can decide to get married or you can decide not to get married. You can still fulfill God's will for your life even if you don't get married. Marriage is not a requirement to go to heaven. You can decide not to get married. It's a decision that you have to make. Now I'm going to let you know that God does not pick your wife or your husband for you. So you can pray and fast all you want. God's not going to do that for you. You will have to pick your wife for yourself. Let me show you the scriptures. You see, God has had that trouble with Adam. Remember Adam says, Is the woman that you gave me? You know that scripture? (laughs) We always have to find somebody to blame, right? Is the woman that you gave me, she gave me the fruit. But if you read the story, God didn't say anything to, to Adam about it. But it was as Adam's decision. God had nothing to do with it. 
And we're going to look at the scriptures. It wasn't God that told him to marry that woman. It was Adam's decision to do that. We're going to look at the scriptures as we see in the scriptures here. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 and 19, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. That was the first thing that was said. Now, this is important. I need to share this with you. It's important. God is the one that will put the desire in you to get married. But you have to pick the woman you want to get married to. God will give you the desire to get married. Now, this is very important. Don't allow people to put pressure on you to get married. Everyone is different. What you need to do is face whatever God's giving to you to do. You, the plan for your life. Focus fully on the plan for your life. And forget about marriage. When the time comes, God will begin to birth that desire to get married in you. Adam, I don't know how long he lived. He could care less whether he had a wife or not. Until God began to say it is not good. For the man to be alone. And God did something to make him realize you need somebody. God was the one that put that desire in him. You know, everybody has a different time where God will put the desire in you. So just because Johnny is getting married doesn't mean you should go find your wife at the time. He's not there. Don't go with the crowd. Let God guide you. When the time comes, God will begin to put that in you and then God will walk it around and bring those individuals into your life where you can make a choice as to who you're going to get married. But these days people put pressure. Well, how long you've been single for so long you got to get married? Well, the person that you're supposed to get married so he's still in Africa. No, kidding. <laughs> Doing missionary work. So you got to wait for God. He says, God said here in his word, I will make him a helper comparable to him. And then what did God do? He says, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he will call them. So he started bringing the animals to Adam. I don't know how long Adam has been with the animals, but this time God started parading the animals before him and Adam will look. God says, name them. It's very important that you name because in the, in the Hebrew, everything you name, you have authority over. You call it. You remember God, when he created the, the, he says, let there be light. And then he called light day. He called it. God called it day and then darkness. He called earth and then heaven. He would name them. But when he started creating different things that men ought to have authority, he called them to be, but he doesn't name them. He didn't name the animals. Adam was supposed to have authority over the animals. So now God brought the animals before him, and Adam will see them as they were paraded by God before him. And Adam says, uh, she's uh, he giraffe, and she giraffe. He hippo, hippo. Uh, and um, hippo, yeah, hippo, and then she hippo, and uh, 
a he goat and a she goat. He lion and a she lion. And before long, Adam said, this, it's always two. It's always she and he. And he said, wow, it's just me. God was birthing in him the understanding you need somebody. That was what was going on. He will himself birth the desire in you to have somebody. And so after this, God then put Adam to sleep. A deep sleep. It says in verse 22, Then the rib, God took a piece out of Adam. That's the Hebrew word. He took a piece out of Adam. And God took that piece. Then it says in verse 22, And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, He made into a woman. He fashioned it into a woman. Adam was created from dust. But the woman, God took that piece and fashioned the woman. You know, men are made visual. Amen? Men are very visual. So God took his time to make sure this woman is the real word for there is to, to, to get her built. God built the woman. Amen? To get Adam's attention. Amen? So the, man, the woman is built, but the man is just formed. Oh, yes. Hello. So the woman was built. And God had an idea. And he says, and God brought her to the man. That word means to parade. Brought her, just like God was bringing the animals before Adam, okay, is the same way he, God had brought all these animals. And finally, you know, Adam was asleep. He didn't know what was going on, right? So finally, God paraded this new creature before Adam. And he began to prophesy. <laughs> he got excited. He understood it quickly. Wow. He started to prophesy. I listened to what God didn't say a word. That's what I meant. God was not the one that put them together. Adam saw the woman and he was not going back. He started talking. God said nothing. Read the scriptures. God said nothing. Adam did all the talking. Listen to what he says. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones. Was God telling him that? No. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman. He named her as well. She shall be called womb man. Womb man. Because God took a man out, but this is a different kind of man. God called him Adam. This was different. God, it was Adam that named Eve with that name Eve. It wasn't God. But it was a different kind of man. He was called a womb man. Adam said because he was taken out of man. So a woman was created with womb. 
That's why Adam, she had different body parts when God created. It was a womb man that God brought. So if you are confused about whether you are a man or a woman, and you don't have a womb, you are a brother. That's right. But you say, Pastor, you don't understand. She has a goatee. And there's hair on her chest. My question to you, does he have a womb? And your answer is yes. That's her sister. That's her sister. It don't matter how many operations you've gone through. If you have a womb, that's a woman. If you don't have one, you are a brother. And brothers are not attracted to brothers. They go after the womb man. Amen. You know, the word family means lineage. Lineage. Two wombed men cannot have lineage. Two women cannot have a lineage. That's not family. That's why I said the United States government cannot tell us what marriage is. They can make laws concerning marriage. It won't work. It's funny when, what you hear. The guy says his husband is going to be upset if you did this to him. And I'm thinking, can you introduce me to his husband? And then show up and I say, am I missing something? How can you tell the difference? How do you know who is the wife and who is the husband? They look alike. How can you tell? Which one is the man? So I, they introduce them, I turn around, do something else, and I said, which of you is the wife again? Because they look exactly alike. That's what's happened to our country today. It's a lie. This is Satan's own creation. It has nothing to do with God. The original one was God himself creating man and a woman, and they coming together to become one flesh. They come together to become one flesh. Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. If children cannot be produced, that's not a marriage. We are of the kingdom of God. They can have whatever they want. But for the children of God, You don't even want to accept it. I know people call it hatred. That has nothing to do with hatred. We don't belong to this land. We came from above. And we live our lives by the laws of the kingdom of heaven. The laws of the kingdom, that's what we abide by. 
I'll continue my message today. And this is probably where I didn't realize it was already 12. But let me say this. Love does not guarantee success in marriage. Love, the way we know love, does not guarantee success in marriage. If you think love can guarantee success in marriage, you are mistaken. We're coming, we're coming to this. Most of the time when you're dealing with individuals that are wanting to get divorced, because look, at there are many out there, they still love when you talk to them. Do you still love him? They'll tell you, yes, I love him, but I can't stand him. Two different things. They want to divorce, even though this feeling of love is still there. Because love does not guarantee success in marriage. Love has little to do, the way we know love, we're coming to that. Love, the way we know it in the world, has little to do with success in marriage. Guess what else doesn't have much to do with success in marriage? Money doesn't have. Just recently, I was talking to my daughter. Just recently, um, what's the name of this guy? Uh, country musician? Voice? In the voice? The voice? That, yes, yes. Uh, he and his wife, they have a lot of money. They have a lot of money, right? And maybe love also, Blake, yes. And love also, right? How come they divorce? Because the only glue that you'll find for a successful marriage is found in this book. Not in all these things that they are talking about. Every one of us will go through this, all of those things. There's love. People tell me they fall, they fall in and out of love. I don't love him anymore. That's not what you want as the foundation for your marriage. Today we're ending, but there's a lot that I want to share with us concerning success in marriage. What is the most important thing that will guarantee success in marriage? I want you to come back next week because we want to talk about that. What is it that will guarantee success in marriage? We're talking about marriage because marriage is the foundation of all relationships. All society starts with marriage between individuals. So we're going to talk about how to be successful in marriage and what we need. And these things are readily available to us if we want, if we are really interested. Amen? Now before we close... I want to say to you today that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins. I'm able to stand before you today because one day I realized that Jesus was not just a man. I used to think that it confused me when people said Jesus died for our sins. And I'm thinking, yeah, he was perfect. He should die for his friends. 
but not for the whole world. But then when I realized that Jesus was God himself, that changed my perspective. Because he is the source of life. And this same Jesus went to the cross for me. That was an awesome thing. I couldn't believe that God himself died so that I can live. That was a new thing for me and got me really fired up about life. Gave me a whole lot of understanding how much God loved me. That God himself went to the cross and died. And I used to ask myself, if God died, who was holding the world together after he died? He holds everything together by the word of his power. He speaks it and there's power in it. Today is asking you to be a part of his family. If you have not become a part of God's family, you can make that decision today. Just like the decision to get married is the same decision to be a part of God's family. All you need to do is say, God, count me in that number. You remember that song? When the saints go marching in, I want to be in the number. That's what you're saying. God, I'm going to be in that number. And when you do that, God will recognize it. So all heads bowed, all eyes closed today. If you want Jesus in your life, you want to be a part of his family, and you want Jesus to come into your heart, at the count of three, lift your hand up quickly and put it back down. And God will see your hand, I'll see your hand, and that's all we need between you and God. You can make that decision today. At the count of three. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. The greatest decision to make for Jesus. Please say this prayer with me, especially those that lifted up their hands. Say it with me. Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to die for my sins. God, I repent of my sins today. I want to serve you. I want to be a part of your family. Receive me now into your family according to your word. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, God, because you promised to hear when I call. Thank you for writing my name in the book of life. Amen. If you did that this morning for the first time or you're rededicating your life to God, God recognized it. And I can tell you right now, your name is in the book of life. And when you die, you depart this earth and you'll be there in the very presence of God. Amen. We're going to be receiving our offering right now. Ushers, please come and help me. We have to support God's work. In Proverbs, can you give me that please? Proverbs chapter 9. 
sorry, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Before I go into that scripture, if you made a decision for God today or you have a prayer request, we have this connection card. My wife talked to you about that. Please check where it says my decision today. Let us know your decision. Let God know your decision for Christ today. Check it out and put it in the offering basket or bucket as it goes by. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of your increase. The first fruit, that's your tithe, that's a tenth of the gross of your income. God says it belongs to Him. And we use what you give to support God's work, to pay the bills, to make sure that this place is open and God's work is done. God expects it for every of his children. And you want to be a part of this so that God can bless you and bless your family. God says if you do that, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of your increase. It says your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So God will bless you and bless your children. We're ready to give. Let's lift our offerings up to our God today. As we pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege to give into your work. We give you praise, God. Receive this offering from us and use it for your glory to touch lives both here and around the world. We give you praise, O oh God, in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. partners please come up and um, if you have any prayer needs please come up and uh, we'll pray with you